interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Commentary is a personal story told within the time frame of two to five minutes. Typically, commentaries are about personal subjects. Now, back to our show. Daniel Smith from New England Public Radio's Media Lab. Now picture this. A green lush gate made out of trees, a road with an unknown origin, and a place that has truly earned the name Urban Wonderland. Can you see it yet? Because I've been there. On one fateful Friday, I had finally pierced the veil and saw my family's true colors. Such a dark and unforgiving place that I had helped to create. And all we do to cover it is smile. My older brother Mikey and I spent the weekend at my dad's house. We stayed up watching TV. When my dad came home, he walked straight to the kitchen where his girlfriend was. She started to scream. Mikey got up to watch as she yelled, You're drunk, stop. My dad said, No, I'm not. Then he threw the table. I turned around to look at my brother to say something, but he was crying. My older, stronger brother crying. I got angry and started to do what I normally do, which is ignore them all and wait. The next morning after my dad left, everyone acted as if the previous night never happened except me. I cried on the inside because to this day I refuse to cry in front of my family. They'll smell it like a pack of wild wolves and attack me. As soon as I got home to my aunt and my Cinderella-ish existence, I told everyone what had happened. One of my cousins said, come on, and took me fishing with his friend. In that moment, the fishing spot became my church. My home, my favorite place. The sun was shining on my face, the wind blowing, the trees covering the secrets that I discovered. The sky was smiling on a little slice of paradise. People judge me and wonder if I'm all there, but the answer I give them is, I don't care. When I was there, I took my chain of sins and pulled it till its end. I took a dirty key off of it and used it to open the vault that is my heart. Alone in my thoughts, finally, no family telling me what to do, no friends for me to help, and no one to speak up for, finally, finally. It was just me, even if it was for this one moment. The name exercise is the first assignment our students record when they walk through the doors of NEPR's Media Lab, sharing the origin of their name, or what it means to them, is the vehicle that drives our students to bear their soul to the microphone, to tell the story of their identity. Everyone's name, everyone's identity, comes with a story. What's in your name? My name is Melissa, simple and classic, meaning honey or red rose. My name originates from a Greek god named Melissius. So yes, my name makes me pretty sweet. My name is just like me. Melissa is a friendly name. I'm a simple and friendly person but there's so much more to me. I love there are different variations to my name, just like there are different sides to me. Melissa, Mel, Missy. My name makes me, me, and I wouldn't want to be anyone else but me. Jacqueline Murphy Barrett. My name explains my temper. Jacqueline means supplanter, someone who overthrows. Murphy, my middle name, and my grandmother's maiden name, comes from Omerdaka, Gaelic for sea warrior or pirate. Barrett, my last name, means quarrelsome, deceitful, and warlike. 
My name foretold my rage and the fight that burns my blood on the brink of being unleashed all the time. I love it. My name is Kimberly, which means Wood of the Royal Forest. I never liked it my full name. I always go by Kim or Kimmy. When people say my full name, it's like they are mad at me. K for kind, I for independent, M for mind-blowing, B for brave, E for excellence, R for respectful, L for loving, Y for young at heart. After all, I grew to love my full name as it can describe me. Hey, I'm Milton Sagardia. The name was passed down by my father, only this time he added a middle name. So no, I am not a junior, nor a second. Instead, I'm a Joel. Joel like one of the major prophets in the Old Testament, in the Bible. It's honorable to share a name with someone who has their name in a chapter in the infamous Holy Bible. One of the verses says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see vision. Joel 2, verse 28. An inspirational verse for a future yet to come. I have multiple names, Edmar, Adamar, Aidi, and Aidimar. Even though in reality my name doesn't have a straightforward translation, the last three letters, Mar, equals ocean. My parental name, Gonzalez, is relatable to anger and aggressive change. Like time when it passes by or the ocean's tide rises. My name is Victor Rosario. My last name comes from my dad. They don't call me Victor, they call me Junior. I love my last name. I like how it's spelled and how I got it. It's very interesting. I got my name from my cousin because I am Victor Rosario Jr. In a world where the people have no voice. Fake news runs wild. And social, social, social media dictates our lives. And we're here to keep it real at Media Lab. Just a group of students looking for the truth. Hashtag what story are you telling? Hashtag go tell it. NPR Media My name was a name my mother chose to give me. My father had no say in my first name, and thank God he didn't. Joseph, it's who I am. From birth, my last name was Rodriguez, the name also for my mother. My last name was never supposed to be Rodriguez because my father's last name is Lozada. It was just a mistake on my birth certificate. That mistake didn't fix until I was 13. Same Marie Fajardo, a last name I've always hated. No one could ever say it right. Growing up, I hated being called Fajardo. It was embarrassing, unique, but plain. I didn't know where it came from, but it's my name. It's the only part left by my father before he left. My name is Rafael. My name follows a famous painter, and I'm not from New York, but I love pizza. I am Puerto Rican and Irish. My father gave me that name, and I love it. Hernandez is from my father. I am glad to roll with that name. They call me RC. My grandfather gave me that name, Recipes Grandpa. My name is Zachary Rothis. It's not the greatest. It shows to me that all the struggles that I've been through in my life and all the continuing struggles that I'll have, that I can make it. My name also shows a great deal of my honesty in the person that I am and the person that I came to be. Nelene Lynette Serrano, but my nickname is Gola. At a point in my life, I didn't want to be called Gola. 
I wanted everyone to call me Nelin. I didn't like Gola because a lot of people were called Gola. I wanted a nickname not a lot of people had. My name is Edgar. It was taken from my father, but given to me by my mom. It wasn't supposed to be named that. My mom wanted to name me after someone who wasn't really there. He was in and out of my life. He's saying he wants to be a part of my life now, but he still isn't. Naisha Ortiz, having no idea where it came from or why I got it, mostly known as Jaya. All I know is that it's my government name. Having that name could have had many crazy stories behind it. Alize, Polka, India, Patit, or Sugar. Nicknames that sound very sweet, but Alize, my father's favorite drink and my mother's biggie dream. To me, I am a person who wears my heart on my sleeve, but shows my emotions twice as worse, considerably a soft, hard person. Dude, go for it. In a world where the people have no voice. Fake news runs wild. And social, social, social media dictates our lives. And we're here to keep it real at Media Lab. Just a group of students looking for the truth. Hashtag what story are you telling? Hashtag go tell it. NPR Media Lab. The way that you compile your pieces, you're so meticulous and focused when you set your mind to do project, whether it's commentary or feature. So this piece that you're doing, Animation and Blindness, Tell us a little bit about this and how you came to do this piece. I was getting um like a lot of assignments at school to like do like a project that interests me but also addresses a big issue. I couldn't find anything and then one day at like four in the morning my older sister, uh, Crystal, she texts me and then um like I read through the text and it's like a link to this thread about like can blind people work in animation and she's blind so she was really hurt by the thread because the thread was really negative and uh, like working in animation is something she's wanted to do ever since she was little i could just imagine being hurt and reading that and she has a very humorous way about going about her pain and stuff like she likes to joke about like her impairment but sort of like lacing humor over your pain it upset me too, and that's what prodded me to like do this project, because I know animation isn't something that isn't just strictly visual. I wasn't looking to write like a sob story, not like to make people feel bad for my sister, because my my sister has gotten so much like pity throughout her life. She doesn't she doesn't need that. Well, I'm so excited to have worked with you. I'm glad that you're a part of Media Lab. I'm excited to have this piece as being part of Media Lab podcast. This is really the reason why I do this work. A platform where folks can feel like healing can happen, storytelling can happen, but most importantly, we can honor those people that we love. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have done this with the utmost integrity. And I just wanted to thank you for the contribution and for letting us be a part of your world and for letting us understand some of the things that you've dealt with you know, throughout your life. So say this to you and to your sister, and we're going to get into this piece. What seemed like a simple Yahoo thread, the thought of a blind person animating, made me think of my older sister, Crystal. She was born with a genetic disorder that affects her eyesight. She has very poor vision that will consistently become worse. Yet despite this, Crystal loves anime and retro video games. She's the biggest nerd I know, and her passion for those things inspires me. Here we go!
I've always had an interest in, you know, artsy things, especially animation and video games. I feel like I can appreciate animation for what it is in the context in which a sighted person can't. Most people think anime and video games are solely dependent on visuals, when there's a lot more to it than just the explosions. There are characters, narratives, and sound which don't require sight to be appreciated. There's no such thing as a painless lesson. They just don't exist. Sacrifices are necessary. You can't gain anything without losing something first. I've noticed, whether it be video games or TV shows of any kind, sighted people usually tend to be like, this doesn't look real. These graphics suck. Like, they just throw plot, characters, sound, you know, instrumentals. They throw it all out the window because they're superficial. Excuse me if you're sighted. I spoke with a group of seniors at Putnam who only seem to prove Crystal's point. And most animes aren't even that great for the story. They're mostly just, you know, for the action. You know, a lot of animes are great visuals. If you're fully blind, if you're fully visually impaired, and you want to watch an anime, you've, you've lost most of the enjoyment from the anime. Look at my eyes, Faye. One of them is a fake, because I lost it in an accident. Since then, I've been seeing the past in one eye and the present in the other. Blind people, visually impaired people, can't enjoy anime because how they get most of their stuff across is done visually, so if they can't see it, <laughs> then they're not going to enjoy it. Unless you're listening to, like, Cowboy Bebop or Full Metal Alchemist or, or Space Dandy, you're not getting any substance. So I thought I could only see patches of reality, never the whole picture. I feel like the art and the visuals is what really makes the characters have emotion and expression. So without that, you lose like that sense of human in the characters. Although, if you can endure that pain and walk away from it, you'll find that you now have a heart strong enough to overcome any obstacle. A heart made full metal. Blind people offer criticism specific to the devices of a story instead of its visuals. So it's not fair to say their opinions aren't valid. My sister found an interesting thread on Yahoo Answers, asking if blind people could work in animation. The thread was filled with people who were completely against the idea. Even the students I interviewed at Putnam seemed baffled by the question. Can someone who's legally blind have a career in the animation industry? That makes no sense. It's a valid, it's a valid question, but it doesn't make sense. The most popular answer on the thread described it as a matter of common sense, without even taking the layers of the situation into consideration. Seriously? Seriously, it's not about being prejudiced. It's not about being prejudiced. It's about being practical and logical. It's about being practical and logical. No matter how much talent one person has, no matter how much talent one has, an animation, animation cannot, cannot be, created be created or appreciated, or appreciated without, without sight. I felt like I was watching a dream I'd never wake up from. Before I knew it, the dream was all over. It's not the first time I've heard something like this, to be honest. And he's not completely wrong up until the part where he says I can't appreciate animation because I have no sight. When my sister texted me about the thread, her message was laced with humor. But I could tell she was upset by the post. It's hard hearing over and over you have no chance of achieving your dreams. I wanted to be a cartoonist or a comic artist. And I went to a counselor and he looked at me like, are you serious? No. <laughs> and then from then on, people just told me, like, you probably shouldn't dream so big. And at the time it hurt, and I was like, no, I totally can. But then real life happened, and I was like, wow, 
That was some heartbreaking, but decent advice. Much to my dismay, my sister, who is my role model, has given up on pursuing a career in animation. But even so, her love for art is everlasting, and I doubt she'll ever stop being a hobbyist. At the very least, I can still be supportive and enjoy hearing about her latest addition to her collection. Crystal the Mailman's here! For NEPR Media Lab, I'm Diamond Jimenez. New England Public Radio's Media Lab is made possible through the generous contributions from the Berkshire Bank Foundation, Incorporated, the Community Foundation of Western Massachusetts, the Irene E. and George A. Davis Foundation, Tom and Kit Dennis, Thomas and Marilyn Ewig, the Kitteridge Foundation, Mass Humanities, TD Bank and TD Charitable Foundation, the United Bank Foundation, the Rotary Club, and two anonymous donors. To find more of our work, please visit us at nepr.net. Check us out on nepr.net, or you can hit us up on Facebook at nepr underscore media lab. And don't forget to hashtag what story are you telling as you tell your own. Peace.